0: I always tell my staff I don't. I want to take all the excuses to say no off the table. (laughs) If we have all the certs and we and we're we're, I mean our shop is super clean. We're very organized. uh, We have uh, nice processes in place. If you have all those things, somebody comes in. I mean, you're you're at the A level.
1: Welcome to the Machine Shop Mastery Podcast, where we uncover the stories behind successful machine shops and their owners. By interviewing current and former shop owners, we dig deep to unveil their secrets of success and the struggles and challenges they've overcome on their paths to building thriving shops. We aim to elevate how important the machining industry is and inspire others by highlighting why owning a shop can be a great vehicle to creating jobs, stimulating the economy, and creating wealth. Here's our host, former machine shop owner himself, Paul Van Meter.
2: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Machine Shop Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Paul Van Meter, and uh, I just finished up with a really fun conversation with Mike Brown of Computer Integrated Machining uh, in San Diego and in Tempe. He's recently opened another location there, which is a fun story. Um, They are a machine shop focused on hard metals uh, in the aerospace and defense industry. They've done super well over the last 28 years that Mike has owned the business. Um, Mike is a very, in my opinion, a very forward-looking business owner, um, very open. He's, he t- we talked about being open book and very transparent with his team about, about uh, customers and prices and, and uh, profitability, all those types of things like that. Uh, we get into the topic of preparing your business for sale, which uh, Mike has very much on his radar for the future very wise and forward-thinking there. Um, I loved how Mike focused on being process driven and documenting how much, uh, how much of your processes, you know, tie in with each other in different different company positions. I love his, his idea of putting zones in place that have to do with different sort of areas of the shop and the business processes and work instructions that go in those areas like the front office or the QA room or things like that. Um, Mike has clearly always been a very sales driven person. Uh, Even in the earliest days, he hired his brother and dad to run machines while he went out and did sales. And uh, that's continued uh, for all of his years, which I know has translated into success for him. Uh, He shared something very interesting about really investing in relationships with his vendors uh, more deeply in the last couple of years, which I'm sure many of you can relate to the value of doing that. Uh, when vendors are totally overbooked and uh, having a ch- challenging time dealing with uh, all the work they have, if they have a friendly face and a name to put with you, uh, they're more, much more likely to put your, your work uh, ahead when you ask for a favor. Uh, we talk also about the value-added services uh, they provide in, form, in the form of, um, you know, assembly work and other things that that makes them uh, a more Uh, obvious answer for it, for a a customer to say yes to. Uh, And I loved his comment, uh, take reasons to say no off the table. So make sure you're getting rid of any kind of objections that a customer would want to deal with you, whether that's a quality certification, cybersecurity, the actual processes you can provide. Um, And at the end of the conversation, we talk about his outlook on additive manufacturing, which is squarely in his roadmap as well to be fully integrated with additive and subtractive. So just a really insightful and fun conversation. Uh, we also bonded a bit over his love of race cars, which he gets to do plenty of racing because he runs such a strong business uh, run by the team. So he can take his long weekends and go race cars. So uh, I think it's very aspirational. Uh, I personally do, cause I love race cars and cars and driving fast. So uh, anyway, Please enjoy this great conversation with Mike Brown and uh, thanks as always for listening. Well, good afternoon, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing Paul? I'm doing super well. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to uh, pick your brain and have you share uh, with the audience. So, uh, so Mike, you are the owner founder of computer integrated machining down in San Diego. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, even before you started the shop and then, a bit about the company and let's start with just a, a snapshot of what your company looks like today and then we'll go back and talk about the history of it
0: we have um probably gross revenue of close to uh five million okay. uh we had uh book sales of almost eight million this year so we're going into congratulations pretty strong it's a nice backlog so we're a excited about that we had a, a record year this 2023 so we're real excited about that uh-huh. we've been in business for uh 28 years Okay. We specialize in the um, aerospace, uh, high-end aerospace uh, arena and uh, probably uh, more so in exotic materials. I, we used to call titanium exotic, but I think that's become almost like the <laughs> aluminum to us. So okay. uh, we do a lot with uh, Invar, Kovar, uh, okay. um, uh Waspaloids, uh, Monel. Um wow. We used to have a little claim to fame, we fear no material and you know, you get somebody to call up and they kind of laugh and kind of breaks the ice. But um, that allowed us to get into um, uh, a lot of exotics and kind of uh, expand our, uh, our footprint in the aerospace industry.
2: Yeah, and set yourself apart from, from many other shops, too. Not, not that many specialize in those hard, hard metals.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing I think we've, we've really gotten into recently is uh, the diversification of uh, additive manufacturing. And oh, uh, wow. okay. that, that's an area where we're really trying to pinpoint and then um, hopefully get our own additive machine and be able to do the whole complete, you know, maybe the additive um, side, send out for hippie, come back into the machine and uh, ship a completed prod, product that way. Got it. So, so
2: you're doing finished machining of 3D metal printed parts today.
0: We are, and, and uh, we're using outside sources that either have their own uh, additive machine in-house or we set them up with another additive company in the intern. It's kind of like it. putting the uh, the cart in front of the donkey a little bit right now. Sure. And then switching it around and
2: we'll buy our own machine. Yeah, I like it. So you started the company 28 years ago. Yes, in my uh, father's garage. We started
0: the company with $2,500. <laughs>
2: 25. That's <laughs> so, modest. Uh, I yeah, love the yeah. stories of companies that start in garages, right? Yeah. Some of the some of the most successful ones have. And how did you? It was your background before that. Were you a machinist? Uh, how did you decide to start your shop?
0: Yeah. I I, um, I there was a program in California called ROP Regional Occupation Program, and it was really good because um, school was really not my forte, and uh, okay. so uh, um, I, I needed a you know I'll say blue collar skill which turned out to be, you know, machining. And then um, from that, um, uh, I worked my way into programming and, uh, and I, I finally reached an apex where I couldn't do anything else. And I had uh, uh, a company approach me that was building prototypes for uh, a medical analyzer. And uh, that kind of started the whole thing 28 years ago.
2: So they approached you and said, hey, would you make parts for us? Yeah. And, okay. and, and so it's it funny because,
0: I mean, one customer does not make a business. <laughs>
2: sure. Of but, that's how it,
0: but that's how it started. And then I started going out and doing sales. And uh, uh, there was a company called Airline Interiors that we did work with. And we've progressed with them over the last probably 26 years. Oh, and wow. that opened up a lot of doors for Northrop Grumman, Lockheed, Boeing. And um, we've pretty much got a, a list of
2: who's who. Yeah, I was just going to say those are the names yeah. that many shops want to get into. So yeah, let's um, let's go back to the the early years then. Um, sure. What was your What was your first machine?
0: It was a Bridgeport uh, uh,
2: five mil. Uh, it was it was a CNC, but it was um, okay. It was fairly archaic. <laughs> okay, no problem in your father's garage, and so yeah. you started doing work for that medical company. Yeah, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And then from there, yeah. How I mean, tell us the if you would kind of describe. I know it's been many years now, the journey from that to having the who's who, you know, list of clients. Like, not every shop has achieved that, so yeah, love to hear how Um, you did it.
0: Well, um, my uh, brother and my dad would run the machine during the day. I'd go out and do sales, and I just started cold calling people. And um, I've got a big mouth; got the gift of gab. And so, um, and I'm pretty persistent and, uh-huh. um, you know, we would look at projects and then after a while, after, you know, we moved out of the garage into our first facility, we had our first pause and we, I think it was like three months later, we bought another Haas and, um, it just started growing from there pretty rapidly. And, um, then we started realizing that people would come to us with, with problem children. And I started yeah. realizing that was a, that was a niche market mm-hmm. and, um, we, we, started specializing in that. And then, um, that's how we came up with, we, we feared no material because I was getting introduced to materials that I was clueless about, so I had to mm-hmm. do research, figure it out, bring, uh, uh, specialists with different cutters in. And yeah. so, um, it worked out good because even over the, over time, uh, ISCAR, um, uses our shop in one of their hard to machine, uh, videos. And we have a pretty tight relationship with ISCAR. Mm-hmm. So, um, Uh, there's a, I would say a very symbiotic
2: relationship there. Right. Wonderful. Um, And so this cold calling, you would just look up companies in the, in the yellow page, this is obviously before the internet when you were starting (laughs) to do this, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was um, that. And then I would, I would wind up talking to people and somebody would say, hey, uh, you know, XYZ companies in Orange County. So I would would amass maybe three or four companies in Orange County. I, you know, we're in San Diego. drive up, get a hotel, you know, try to talk to, you know, it doesn't sound like very many, but you talk to like two companies in a day, depending on where they're at. And then the mm-hmm. next day talk to two and then I'd drive back down and, um, you know, a lot of times I'd come back with blueprints and then, um, you know, we'd, uh, you know, t- turn our paperwork in, you know, sign NDAs or whatever. And right. uh, it just kind of kept on growing from there. And uh, now we have a, a BD specialist out of Michigan and um, okay. uh, he's got a team that, that works really good with us. In fact, we're flying out to uh, Florida uh, next week. We'll be out there for three days. Um, we're meeting with a, a new aerospace company. And yeah. um, so, um, you know, uh, we, we, we we get leads in different areas. Um, we work with a, a high-end engineering firm here in San Diego. And these guys, those guys I worked with like 10 years ago, and they've went on their own and we did specialty projects for them so they've got something complex and they reach out to me i, I haven't talked to them like in six or seven years they go hey remember did that project xyz well sure. hey i got this new thing i'm on my own and so it, it kind of spiders out over time and mm-hmm. you know kind of the longer you're in business um you get uh references and um uh business opportunities from all over the world actually
2: yeah sure So what do you focus on to make sure that those, those, those people reach out to you again in many years, you know, or they move companies and they're like, Mike's going to be one of my first phone calls, like customer service wise, you know, what you're bringing to them.
0: Yeah. I, I think like one of the firms, one of the things we offered was let's say they had a model and it's a new, a new program and let's say the whole model is done in pink. So we take the model, And we might say, okay, hey, you know, this is going to be a hard area to do. What if maybe dog bone this? Any of the changes, like maybe some bigger radiuses or different things we might propose. Hey, can this be a through hole? It would be easier because you're not going to get the the thread depth you need to get here. We make those changes and give it back to them. And Mm -hmm. we do that for free. Um, Because I I think it's human nature that if you do something for somebody, they want to reciprocate. And so it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get that book of business, but I'd say nine times out of 10, they put a good word in for you. They go, Hey, you know, we work with this company. We're not saying you have to go with them, but they help make your project more economical and more feasible to build. And um, I would say the payoff's been pretty big there, not just initially for getting that particular order, but also for um, building those relationships and have things
2: Than your lap five, eight, 10 years later. Got it. That's nice. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I know uh, when at our shop, we would certainly have, um, you know, engineers or buyers move companies and we had taken great care of them, you know, at our shop and and at their prior job. And, you know, when you focus on that customer support and customer service, um, yeah, it just, it often multiplies out. And like you said, you've reference that. You didn't even know you had someone calls you out of the blue. You're like, yeah, I used to work with John at this and such company or Mary and, and, uh, just love how that sort of, uh, I don't know, community kind of builds, you know, organically yeah. when you're, yeah. when you're delivering great quality, great service, great communication over time. I, I, um, I would say, that, oh. I just want yeah. sort to of say one other thing. I, I, th- yeah. I think the communication is the key
0: thing. And like I tell my people, we, we're just talking about this today. If you have a phone call, you follow it up with an email. It, it does two things. It protects the customer, it protects you. And there's kind of a there's a written path as to what happened, how you got from point A to point C. So, mm-hmm. so I think the communication is super, super uh, critical.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh you so let's talk a little bit about you specialize in aerospace and defense. I presume you mean sort of aero, you know, aero. I mean, we 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 talked most recently at, at AeroDef and, and Westech when we were sitting next to each other over dinner. Um, um, have you found those types of companies um, harder to get into or have different kind of requirements? Obviously, they probably require AS ninety one hundred certification. But any other things you had to make sure you had in place? In order to do um, work with them,
0: that, that's a good question. We were we were ISO, and we could see the direction everything was going when AS was starting to come into play, and so we took a pretty early lead on that, which I think was has paid dividends. Um, the other big thing we see right now is cybersecurity: the NIST eight hundred one seventy one, the CMMC two um, We're rich with the PI. Um, we work with an um, outside company called Avatar that does our internal testing. Or, authentication um, that's coming down the pike fast here and mm-hmm. it's a critical thing mm-hmm. especially in the uh, the markets that we deal with um, we have to be proficient in that arena and then I'd say for the future the other two things we're looking at is getting NADCAP approved for inspection and for machining I can see that NADCAP the, for inspection and machining I've
2: and not heard of NADCAP machining. for machining well you're not it's just a matter of time from what okay. I understand Go ahead. Is that with the 3D printing specifically? No, is that a special no, well, process?
0: Yeah. Well, netcap is usually done uh, for platers and painters.
2: And yeah, yeah, yeah. Houses, Welding and things caps. like that. Yeah.
0: Right, but um, I, 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 I see that um, we're we're the next marketplace to to take grip of that. I think, and so I want to be ahead of that. So we're already having conversations with people on this, and right. Boeing's brought it up at seminars. So if okay. Boeing's talking about it. It's gonna be coming down the pike. Yeah, no kidding, <laughs> so, no
2: kidding. Yeah, we wanna be ahead
0: of that curve. And I feel sure. like we've done a pretty good job of being compliant with the uh, cybersecurity arena. Uh, we're oh, still yeah. waiting for them to come out with the particulars on the certification for CMMC 2.0. Sure. And then that's, we will be
2: going down that road
0: immediately.
2: Yeah, well, sounds like, sounds like being proactive and forward-looking has always kind of been your MO, is that? Is that fair to say I, I I would like to say so yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's,
0: it's helped us I, I I always tell my staff I don't I want to take all the excuses to say no off the table if mm-hmm. <laughs> we have all the certs and we and we're, we're I mean our shop is super clean we're very organized yeah. uh, we have uh, nice processes in place if you have all those things somebody comes in I mean you're you're at the a level at the up, upper echelon um, if they have work that they want done. You're going to be a candidate for them to uh, to
2: approach. I like that concept. Uh, take all the reasons to say no off the table. Like right. Remove the, the obstacles to becoming a, yeah. a vendor, becoming a preferred source, become whatever, right? Right. Um, yeah. it, it, it's yeah.
0: funny because we had we had Bell Helicopter coming in. And a guy came in. And I said, wow, you must see a lot of really nice shops. He goes, you'd be amazed. I come in and he goes, and, and the shops look like hell. I'm like, I mean, our shop looks good anyways, but we knew he was coming. So we, if I have all my guys spend 15 minutes, I mean, we sparkle. Right. So, I mean, and it's like, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, if you don't get sure. work, it's just like, again, you don't know if that guy's gonna jump ship, but he goes, hey, the shop was really clean. We should go talk to these guys. There's right. there's, there's no downside.
2: Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, so let's, let's pivot and talk about team. Um, uh, how have you grown your team over the years? It's obviously hard to find skilled machinists these days. Um, are you, do you do in-house training? Do you hire people that are already experienced some of each I'd love to hear your strategies?
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely
2: both. Um,
0: I'll be honest with you. If I get really good service from a McDonald's employee, I might hand them a card and say, Hey, if you're looking for a career, call me because if I see that enthusiasm in there, um, We have a a, a saying: We would rather hire somebody that has a good aptitude than 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 has a crappy attitude, because the attitude it's like cancer, and and the last thing we want to do is bring cancer into the organization. And um, if if there's cancer, we try to curtail it or cut it out. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I, we don't have time for that. And uh, I think we've amassed a really good team. Um, Sky, my general manager, he is um really focus on taking care of people and people oriented and um uh he's done a a, a
2: really really good job of that i feel what are some uh, of the things that he does to take care of people
0: uh i think he tries to take the employees under his wing and 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 try to teach them when 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 there's uh teaching opportunities the other thing we do as a group is uh we've done a bowling night Uh, we're going to do ax throwing here soon. We haven't done that. We're going to get one of these portable trucks to come out and do that. But every month we have a luncheon and you know, everybody's, you know, for the most part it's hourly, but we do a luncheon, you know, we take care of the clock in and clock out at a half an hour. So if the lunch goes an hour, it goes an hour and a half. We don't care. We talk about if it's at a quarter break, we'll talk about where we're at for that quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll talk about new business. Um, uh, when, when we have stuff on the floor, um, the purchase, we have a book and there's it's divided into five sections and the purchase order is inside the book. And some people would say, well, wow, you your people know what things cost. Um, you gotta think about this. I mean, people are spending more waking hours in your facility than they are with their family during the week. And so they're your family. And I think it's important that somebody knows that they're working on a $10 part or a $10,000 part. Now, I wanted to treat them equally, but are you gonna spend a little bit more emphasis on a $10,000 part? I think the answer is yes. Sure. And, and, and not only that, the other thing that's changed is purchase orders have notes on them that the prints don't. So the whole landscape has changed. And I, I think it sends the wrong message if you're hiding and somebody would say, well, that's really a dangerous thing to do. It's not a dangerous thing to do if you're taking care of your customer. If you're not taking care of your customer, then it's a dangerous thing to do. People say, well, haven't people stolen work from you? And I don't know, maybe they have, but I, I haven't seen it. We continue to get we get repeat orders. And when people quit, so I, I, I just have to look at that. That if I'm taking care of my customers, they really have no reason to look somewhere else.
2: You mean your employees? I, you said customers. My employees, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Take care of my employees. But, absolutely. They, they,
0: they, but but both both things, you're taking care yeah, of sure. my customers, of course. Via my employees. So yeah, so it, it, it's 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 a it creates a symbiotic environment. Um, and, uh, it's, I, I'm, I, I, even if I had uh, one customer fall away, then we'd have to look at that and figure out what we had to do and then do it better. So that never happened again.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. At at our shop, we were pretty open book. So we would share financial information and, um, but I've heard of clients that will leave or shops that will even, um, like hide the customer name. Like forget about how much the part is worth. They don't even know what they don't want their employees to know which companies they're making parts for. I'm like, that's just a level of yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean,
0: if if if, if anybody knows anything, they go into a CAD model and they can see where it's generated. And people are smart. And and then and then it it, it just unfortunately it sends up a signal of not trusting. And, right. and if you say you're going to trust somebody, we, we, we had a thing without cell phones for a while. I go, look, the cell phone's a powerful tool. You guys need to be trusted. If you have a family situation, let your foreman know that, hey, you know, hey, my wife's pregnant, she might have her kid, I might have to leave. Okay. Communicate that. But, sure. And, and so, so we, we, we sat down with everybody and said, look, be responsible, act like an adult. And it, it's a great tool if you want to look something up. And so. Um, you know, every now and then does somebody abuse it. Yes. But for the most part, I think uh, the team's responsible and, um, I I don't want to play the game of
2: you can't use your cell phone. Um, I'm just sure we're adults here. Right. So, yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, so you've been doing this, uh, 28 years now, right? 24, 28? Well, I've been doing it longer than that. I've been in business 28 years. (laughs) okay.
0: Yeah, I've been doing this about four
2: years. I've been doing it for a little while. Okay. Um, I'm curious to know what is your succession plan?
0: um, That's a good question. Um, We're looking at probably three to five year. And, um, but if I sell, I wanna sell to a company that, uh, can can uh, take care of my people and also give them an opportunity to grow. I don't think we're the kind of company that's going to sell to a mom and pop. Um, I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to have the money number one, and if they had the money, I don't think they're going to have the growth the growth opportunities uh, that that a larger firm mm-hmm. uh, would have. And um, uh, they're uh, how do I say this? Um, the interest seems to be in the in the hedge fund arena and um, other fund other bigger Spamper. aerospace com- companies, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I- I'm pretty lucky. Um, I-, I know a lot of people that have sold their companies, and um, I can take advice from. And so um, I-, I find uh, myself to be in a fairly fortunate position with um, you know having those conversations, if you will, right now mm-hmm. it, because it takes about three to five years to get everything prepped and i and we have a hit list of things that we're looking at um mm. to do that okay. um, right and, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm candid not with everybody but with my c-level team they're sure. um, they're cognizant of this sure but um, Makes sense. it's not something that they're afraid of
2: if you will right sure i mean just the, you've said just a number of i think insightful things the three to five years to even prepare for sale you know a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of uh, folks don't really have it on the radar that there's a lot of things they need to put in place to make their companies attractive for sale. Um, And the fact you even said, you know, your C-suite team, you, you have that team, which is a critical part of that three to five year plan. If, you know, you have a shop that's, you know, run almost entirely by, by one or two people. um, And they're the ones that want to (laughs) leave. It's hard for anyone else to say, yeah, let me, let me, let me, invest in that um right. but if you have a capable team that's running the place and you know you can go on vacation for a week or two and not really have to worry about checking in too much you know that's uh, one of the boxes that's checked off pretty solidly right yeah I, mean,
0: I just got back from maui on the 31st i was there for a whole for eight days so I've got, there you go case, in
2: point. Yeah, case so, in point case in point so and they yeah. weren't calling you I, I, twice two three times a day asking you what what should they do about a situation I don't think I got one
0: phone call. So
2: yeah, they,
0: they, they, they take care of a lot. I mean,
2: I, I go to a lot of races and I race mm-hmm. horses
0: on the side. So, um, on a weekend I'm gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, Great. so I'm gone two days a week, like seven, or eight times a year. And then, um, um, I'm, I'm pretty busy with travel. Like I say, I'll be, uh, in Florida, uh, not next week, but the week after for three days. Mm-hmm. And then I got to go to Wisconsin, Michigan, and Illinois this month too. So, um, uh, i I, I travel a lot and then when I'm not doing that, I'm in orange County or LA for the day. So, um, sure. Uh, sure. I,
2: I, and I have another facility in Arizona, so I'm out there too. So I'm, I'm a busy guy. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Well, that's, I think that's a good lesson and takeaway for people. Um, you know, being able to build the team so that you can be gone and people aren't, aren't calling you to ask you what should they do about something. Like if, 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 if someone, you know, if, if if someone is running a company and their team is constantly reaching out to them for, you know, feedback or advice on some aspect or a question or a problem, that's a good sign that they don't have enough of a team in place that is handling the day to day. And even the, the, the one-off issues that come up, um, that, uh, that, uh, you know, and whether, whether a business is interested in selling or not, um, it's obviously far more sustainable and probably more enjoyable for the owner if they're not tethered to their cell phone and the company all the time. Right? <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So I love the fact that you're out there racing on the weekends and uh, enjoying the, you know, the fruits of your work while you have a team that's competently, you know, covering the bases and keeping customers happy. And that's something to, to really aspire to. So. I agree. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned how critical it is to hire for, for attitude. People just you know don't have time for people that don't have great attitudes. What about their experience level? Are you are you com- in with like community colleges or are you just finding more experienced folks? Do you have your in house in house training programs? Can you share a little bit about um, that. Uh,
0: we, we 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 place ads with Indeed. We have a couple of headhunter, I I call them headhunter organizations that we go through. I don't like to go through them, but sometimes we can wind up getting good candidates, so it works. Um, The other uh, method is um, the schools aren't as involved as they used to be. It's unfortunate. So Mm -hmm. I don't really find the schools to be a good source, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they aren't. We just haven't found that to be the case. Sure. we have, um, uh, a young guy, I think, uh, he's been with us now two years and, um, he, uh, came in, uh, put in the application, had no experience and, um, he just didn't want to be flipping burgers. And, uh, so, um, you know, we, we have a, uh, they say we have processes. So we have, a, a, a stepping stones to get a guy from a C level, which is the lower level to an A level. And he, Now after two years, he's at the bottom of B, but if you think about it, if you can get a guy who can indicate a vice, he can start setting tools and then he can edge find and indicate he's got a lot of the basics. Then it gets down to being proofing, learning the sound, you know, the smell, the sight, putting all that together. That's where the experience thing comes in. Right. And, um, and then trying to build on that. But if, if, if in the interim, if he can be doing the raw setup, the grunt work, if you will, and then one of my hiring guys can can do something, you know, get the thing tweaked and then put him back on that machine. After a while, he's, you know, if he's got some downtime, then let him go through the finite uh, process of, of of testing it to make sure everything's good got and it. and 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 get that that that's something that, that somebody has five, 10, 15, 20 years experience, start feeding that 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 person. And we try to do that like right away. We don't wait just two years. Sure. Um, and, um, I don't think there's any, um, hard path, if you will. Um, it's just kind of a random thing that just happens over time. And, right. um, you know, you have some guys that pick up faster. So you you know, you feed them with a bigger fork, <laughs> Sure. you know, um, yeah. but, the, uh, you know, that, that particular young man, he's got a great attitude and, you know, we've had women in here too, that, that, sure. um, Absolutely. Our, our production managers, she came from another shop as a machinist. And then um, she worked her way into inspection and now she's our production manager. So we try to hire within and and, and
2: move up within when we can. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned a process for moving from an A to or from a C to an A, how do you, do you have pretty well documented processes throughout the whole company and Um, how do you approach that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, like, um, if like, like with our shipping and receiving, I mean, we, we, we have, we have a, uh, we have a, uh, we, we call them WI. We call them work instructions. We don't call them procedures, but they're, they're, okay. they're SOPs or procedures, just a different name. Yep. And so um, we have zones and um, we have like the 100 zone might be the front desk. And that's, you know, kind of how you answer the phone. that might sound basic. Um, how we put the books together because Gigi puts the books together. Um, how she breaks down the books. There's a process for that because we retain all our information basically infinitely on the cloud, mm-hmm. but there's there's a process for that, and so again, if you think about it, let's say I get hit by a bus tomorrow, a lot of these processes are already in place, and the people know them. We're going to hire for somebody new; they can be taught those processes, and then we have people go through the process too and go, "Hey, this isn't what we do." Okay, well then let's fix it and change it, right. and you know, uh, so when you get new blood in, it's kind of a good thing because some people kind of overlook things or they forget to put a step in there. So it's, it's an evolving doc- document that I don't think is ever quite complete and that's okay. And then maybe you bring new software in too that, that changes the landscape. So then sure. you have to go back and do that. So, um, but, but we, we, because I would say probably over the last five to seven years, we've really done a lot of, uh, making, uh, physical processes, writing them down. They kind of got uh, jumbled up. We had like maybe a 97, and we had a 45 and a 128, and so we 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 went and sat down and made like there's a 100, there's a 200, 200 might be machining, 300 might be inspection, 400 shipping and receiving. There's more than that in there. I think. So those those, those the zones on. you're referring to. Yes. The, and the, and yeah, so okay. now what we're doing if we're taking a 43 should be in the 200s. We're renaming it but that's, that's a pretty arduous process because then there's forms that go along. You have to make sure those forms are tied. So it's something that um, one of my employees, Emily, she's been working on for God uh, probably all last year off and on. And we'll probably take to the end of this year to get it where it's finite. But then when we come up yeah. with, with a new document, we know where it goes. But if you think about it too, when you have an audit, if an auditor comes in, they see that level of organization, they're just gonna look at a few things. and They're gonna go, hey, these guys got it going on and mm-hmm. they don't have to waste time. We can usually go through an AS9100 audit in about a day and about anywhere from two to four hours. We're talking 10 to 12 hours, which saves us money because we're more efficient and it helps the auditor get through the audit.
2: I love it. And those are documented in just Word documents or some some database or how? You know?
0: it, it, they, are, they are Word documents. It is in a okay. database and it's saved on the cloud. So everything is all very, very structured. Nice. We had an auditor come in. We had a problem looking for something. It took us 15 minutes to find it. He goes, if it takes you more than 10 minutes to find it, you don't have it. So we thought, okay, that was a problem. So we, we redirected some of our stuff and got things tightened up. And so that was, a, it was a good comment. And, um, he, as far as I was concerned, he was
2: right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Um, and so you feel like that, Cause I, I, I know in some shops there's the debate of just do the thing or spend the time to document doing the thing. Right. And clearly you've fallen on the side of, you know, document your processes. Um, right. What would you say to someone that, that today doesn't believe that having as well documented processes is, is just easier. It's too much work to, to do that. Like, what would you well, say to someone? I, I, I... I think when they go to to sell, if they're
0: looking at a savvy buyer and let's say my company's for sale and have everything documented and they look at their company, if their EBITDA is higher, if things aren't documented, they they might walk away from that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, and and not only that, it's, it's, it, it becomes a fairer way to let your employees know what their position is versus, okay, Monday, it's this Tuesday. It's that Wednesday. It's this. It's like, there's, Mm. what what, where's where's the realm of my job is it is it here that's not what i signed up for and um it's not fair to the employee and it's a hard way to gauge um uh um uh, that's what i'm looking for for um compensation um and then and and then here's the other problem i mean you can overcompensate and the person's only doing this much but you're compensating them this much or vice Mm -hmm. versa it's usually the other way around but i mean again we have levels of c B and A. So when when you reach at the top of C, do they know this? Can we test them? Yeah, they're there. Okay, now they move into the bottom of B, and wh- where's the pay range? It's fifteen to twenty. From here, it's twenty to twenty-five. From here, it's 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 twenty-five to thirty-five or whatever it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
2: So
0: so and and, and you know and, and then we have A, but we also have like 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 A, that's that's like A slash engineer. Mm. I've got two or three guys on my floor that that fall in that range, and those guys. They make good money, right? You know, and um, but they're super valuable people too. Right. So you know, not only can they train, but if we're, I'm bringing in a twenty thousand dollar part, and we've had parts that are fifty thousand dollars. Whoa! You know, somebody's got to know what the hell they're doing.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I want to scrap one of those. (laughs) New. So, so your your job descriptions are tied in with the work instructions in the zones, kind of kind of in a way? Uh,
0: well, I, 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 yes and no. I mean, they, they, they are because they pertain to what you're doing. Um, I guess yes would be the answer mm-hmm. um, because um, there's definitely that correlation because right. um, if you know that you're at a C-level and you're the guy who's indicating the vice, setting the tools, you know how to do that, you can set the zero. That might be your stop point. And then you go to the next machine, you can do that. And then somebody else comes in and takes over. And eventually, you know, we try to get some cross trains. So we move you into a solid B. And then it gets to be, hey, now now you can start at the bottom of A, where maybe you can work on a 5000 or $6,000 part. And we feel confident that, that, that,
2: that, you've, that you've mastered
0: these steps to get there.
2: Nice. Well, I'd love to see that. That, that is super interesting. And I'm, I'm sure people will have some takeaways from that just yeah. Uh, and quite honestly, our own shop had a very similar concept. Um, yeah. And uh, we had job descriptions with specific training requirements, and those were tied to specific tasks or work instructions from everything, from how to dial in advice to how to order materials to how to, you know, um, do a contract review. I mean, it just spans the whole, you know, gamut of things that need to be done. But um, my guess is that it's not a coincidence that, you can leave on vacation for eight days without a single phone call because you have a team that knows the processes that they need to do to handle, handle the business, right? Um, now, whether or not every single scenario has been you know, documented, probably not, but at least no. directionally, um, and you've clearly also, um, it feels like empowered them enough to make decisions that maybe aren't in the, right, in the work construction right to, to troubleshoot to come up with their own solutions for things that are kind of out of left field without having to yeah. call hey what does Mike say we have to do in this situation right um,
0: yeah I, I, I think I think that's definitely the case and and that's how I've got my you know my a plus guys my three guys I would consider a plus to that to that level is, right. Um you know it's, I mean look if there's something serious and we got to get on the phone we'll have a chat and um, mm-hmm. you know' I'll, I'll put my two cents in, but I'll also listen. Somebody else has a better idea. God bless them. Let's, let's go down that road. And if we fail, we fail. I mean, the failure isn't such a bad thing. People freak out about, oh, I, I, I fail. good. You failed. Did you learn something from it? Okay, great. Hmm. If you didn't learn anything from it, that's a problem. But if you sure. learn something from it, you know, do I want to buy another $3,000 piece of material for a five or ten, fifteen $15,000 part? No. Have I done it? Sure. Yes. Is it going to happen again? Yes. Right. It, you know, am sure. I, is anybody gonna get fired over it? No, right.
2: you know, so. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. Um, so what kind of, uh, what kind of metrics do you track that, you know, your C-suite team is shooting yeah. for all the time?
0: I, I think that's a good question because I'm, I'm in Vistage. I don't know if it, it's like a CEO group and, yeah, so, um, yeah, of it okay so you know Vistage. i had a guy in there as a chiropractor and he brought this chart and he had like 30 kpis i'm looking at this thing i'm just like and he was the only guy charting i'm like what do you have time to run your business if you are charting 30 things and are you charting what's important mm-hmm. so what we do is we chart about 13 items and okay. um I, I i i'm not in the meetings anymore i was i'm, I'm the visionary so i'm not the mm-hmm. integrator and um so um there are KPIs, financial KPIs. There's delivery KPIs. There's quality KPIs. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Oh, there's even like, like runtime on the machine KPIs.
2: Mm-hmm. So sure.
0: so I I can tell you what our deliveries are. And at the end of the month, I can tell you why and where we missed. It gets to the 80-20 rule. And unfortunately it's about 80% of the time it's our outside processes that are affecting why we didn't live. Let's say we, we were short by a hundred thousand dollars. I will say most of the time it's between 70, $80,000 was outside players that didn't perform. And the other 30 or 20,000 and stuff, or we started too late or we screwed up and we didn't perform. So right. we're not without, we're not without fault. Um, but it used to be the other way around and it slowly transitioned. So, mm. um, i'll go off on a tangent a little bit probably last year i visited 24 of our vendors some of them twice um just just because every part we do gets touched by outside hands and you sure. can say well what about the parts you don't well the parts that don't the other ones get touched twice so every part gets touched by an outside source so sure. you have to have that relationship and and I, i'll be honest with you i'm a, I'm a slow learner sometime I, i've been i feel like i've done a really good job with the customers. And probably in the last two years, we've really strengthened that vendor relationship that, mm. that was kind of weak, if you will. And that's one of the things I, I, would, I would encourage other shops to really pay attention. Make sure they know who your face is. You got to call up and say, hey, I need this tomorrow. And you're going to get an expedite fee. If they know who you are and you have a relationship for the people call, you might be the guy that gets
2: you know, what you need. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is such good advice especially these days it's I, I mean, i'm gonna not making parts anymore but uh i just hear the stories of how overburdened all these processing shops are and just how they struggle um and it's such a a, a tent in the ability to deliver on time so yeah that's uh do you do you do anything particular do you just you bring them bring them lunch do you just try to just be a friendly face and say hello and shake a hand
0: I I think that's a good question. If if we're meeting in the morning, I'll, I'll say, Hey, you guys drink Starbucks. I'll go get some coffee. Um, I want to be their buddy. You know, I, I, you know, some, you know, uh, I want to be their friend. I wanted to know, you know, you see this mug, (laughs) he's serious, but you know, I've, 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 I've had people tell me, Hey, here's your contact. It's Bob. But if Bob can't get it done, somebody up the food chain says, you know, Hey, I'm bill. Here's my card. You can't get a hold of Bob. You call me. Mm -hmm. And and there's been a couple of times I said, Hey, don't like to make this call i got a situation can you help me out right. and i would say i'll say nine times out of ten um i'm i'm pretty damn successful right you know That's- and again when i do something like that i try to also bring my production manager let, let, let's say they're hitting a roadblock for me just to get on the phone and and and, and uh and take care of it now mm-hmm. now now i'll take the empowerment away from my person so what i try to do is make that phone call with them and say hey i got erica here I know she's been talking to Bob. We haven't really got anywhere. Hey, Bill, you told me to give you a call if you had a problem, and say, "Hey, Erica's my production manager. I don't like making these calls. What can you do to help me?" And in the future, I want to introduce you to Erica. Can she take over? I pulled myself out of that position. That, that's not that's not what I want to do. Then I got to make calls from when I'm in vacation in Hawaii. That's, that's mm-hmm. not where I want to be. So um, there's a, there's a process there that um, it took me a while to learn because. I wanted to fix everything. Cause when you start the company, you, you know, you wear all these hats yeah. Yeah. and after a while, it's hard to shed those hats, but you find out that you need to shed the hats,
2: <laughs> so. That is solid advice, both, uh, yeah. Um, just the relationship building and then br- including your team. So you don't have to do that next time, right? To, yeah. to, to have that connection, that personal call, you know, the personal connection. Have you, had you have your production manager or someone else go visit vendors to make a direct personal contact with them? I, I, I was just gonna say, we, we, we
0: had an issue with one of our big uh, rocket companies and um, the uh, salesperson took the incentive and said, hey, we keep on having a problem. We, you guys have returned 200 of these pieces in, at various times. Mm-hmm. You know, half of them are getting approved. We're, we're checking them. They're going through our de- inspection department so we sat down with them. We said, hey, we want a copy of your CMM program. We have we have two different CMMs. We have a Zeiss and Hexagon, so we can pretty much cover any type of programming. They have a Zeiss. We said, hey, give us your program. We sat down with them. I I, I wasn't even in the meeting. My production manager and my salesperson went to that meeting. And it, it, it was just some little stupid things that we should have done when the initial thing happened. And we weren't trying to let it fester, but... You know, it's one of those things. But but my salesperson took it on the incentive. And I said, when are you guys going? On? are we doing that? Do you guys need me? No, you stay here. You're not going. We, we got this. <laughs> they came back. And, and, and the other thing they did, which was really good, they sent an email back to the customer saying, hey, here's what we heard. Here's what we're going to do. The whole C-level team is copied on that. So we know what's going on. So if we say, hey, why are, why are RMAs on our KPI up in June? Okay, well, here's why. What did we do about it? Here's what we did about it. You know, that, that RMAs, those RMAs in that arena, they should be a thing of the past.
2: Sure. And does that make it into your work instructions on, oh, let's oh, have this de- step?
0: Definitely, because there were some things that weren't being inspected. So our inspection uh, part of our traveler had to be updated. There were some things with regards to bead blasting that they wanted done that was giving us fits, some copper parts and the parts of swelling. Mm. And we were having a hard time controlling that. So we, we were able to go back to them and. Let them understand some of where, where the grief was in the process and got them to look at their process and say, you know what, we can probably get rid of that. Um, and sometimes you're just not gonna get that over the phone. You have to have that face-to-face. And
2: yeah,
0: um, real quick, I'll tell you another real quick story. We had a, a yeah. part that we got from a customer, we did the whole process, they everything went perfect. One part got up there, we somehow missed the rev on a print, and That part completely changed. I mean, like 180 degrees. And they called up and they go, wow, we screwed up. That was on their end. And they go, you guys screwed up too. Here's the PO. Here's the thing. Okay, we both screwed up. What can we do? We processed the part. We put Alex on a plane. She hand-delivered that part a week later. Let me tell you something. That paid dividends. Earlier this year, we negotiated for a two-year LTA that was worth over a million dollars. And I shook hands with the main guy that make the decision maker on the steps. Sure. We received that purchase order in November. Now they're talking about a 10 year program that could carry on. And I think the impact of us, I mean, from here to Sacramento, was it five, 600 miles? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all her job was to do is get on a plane, rent a car, drop that part off, shake some hands, get back on the plane, come back to San Diego all in one day. Right. You know, sure yeah any profit on that part was taken off the table but if you look at the big
2: picture it got reapplied later on yeah absolutely now i love that emphasis on the long-term um the long-term relationship the owning your mistakes going above and beyond to fix them i did a blog maybe a year ago about uh you know delivering bad news and how you handle difficult situations and uh you know it's like a case perfect case in point you know how to do it right, because everyone's going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen, how you respond to those and how your customer perceives your commitment to following through and, you know, doing what's right in the end, that that's where those long-term relationships are built.
0: Yeah. I I think the whole thing of taking accountability, we had another situation where a guy was sitting in the meeting. He goes, he goes, you guys are, he goes, you're on time. is like 30%. I mean, we were missing by a day and we were talking nothing, but a miss is a miss. He's all. He's. All, I don't even know why I'm sitting in this meeting with you guys. And I think he expected me to throw a bunch of BS out. I said, you know what? I said you're absolutely right. I said, I said, granted we only missed by a day. I go, but we missed. I go, we should have been better at communicating and and uh, and, and and telling you, hey, we need another five days or something, and tell you a week in advance, not the day before. I said, right. I said I totally agree with you. I said if you want to get up and walk away, I don't blame you. And he go. We wound up doing a lot more business with him. <laughs> I, 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 and, and our, on time has improved drastically. And, but I think also, I think the thing that resonated with the man was that I didn't blow smoke up his dress and I sat there and I said, you know what, if you're right, you're right. And it's not always easy to do that.
2: So yeah, for sure. Great stories. Awesome. I was going to say, uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) One of the questions is, you know, share one or two of your most memorable experiences of owning your shop. Can you think of Um, just moments that made you really proud or just, you know, uh, who knows what?
0: Um, Oh, God, there's a lot of them. (laughs) Um, I I guess uh, the most recent one would be when we opened up the uh, Tempe, Arizona facility. That was that was yeah. um, that was a, a, a high risk, high reward uh, situation because uh, the first year, you know, we were, you know, we were red, flat, black, back and forth. And about August of last year, um, the shop went full black, which was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And um, that shop is going well. We have two machines there now. We have two employees. We're looking at adding two more CNC lathes there, and another employee. So, um, and we're actually looking at it going from uh 2,200 square feet to 6,000 square feet, and um, with the San Diego and that one will give us about 25,000 square feet. Um, nice. and uh, 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 Phoenix is um, uh, that all happened on a whim how it happened, I'm not going to go into that, but um, uh, we didn't realize how much growth is going on in Phoenix. Phoenix to me is almost like the leg next to Los Angeles, there's a lot of stuff going out there i think um it was kind of dumb luck that we that we made to the move there mm-hmm. but i think it's going to pay huge dividends in the next three or five years and yeah. and beyond that right
2: so was it again sort of that coming back to the you know being forward looking what did you have a just a you know a, a particular client opportunity that being close by was going to be really critical or um, uh no shop, it, it was, did you buy it was, did you buy a shop
0: no 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 um <laughs> We had an employee that worked for us really really good lathe guy and um he grew up in arizona he was going back to arizona for his family oh. and so um i jokingly talked to my c-level team and i said hey i go we should probably open a shop in arizona no intention and everybody jumped on me and said that's a great idea i was like it is <laughs> so it was very serendipitous the way it occurred yeah. and uh, so uh i had to uh, go out to to dinner with him and his um his girlfriend, and um, his girlfriend was the one who sold him on it because he's a very, very competent machines, but just a little gun shy about taking on you know kind of a heavy responsibility. Mm-hmm. And um, she basically told him he was going to do it, and uh, so I, she was <laughs> an advocate of my, of my court. But no, he's doing great now, and 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 I and he's very happy. We're very happy with him. Um, I was out there maybe four times last year. And, uh, my intention is to go out there a little bit more this year, not because I really need to babysit Keith or anything, but just because, um, I'm really going to concentrate on growing the, um, Arizona market. My, uh, CFO here is, uh, basically taking over running San Diego. So my goal is mm-hmm. to, um, get Arizona up to snuff. And then right. for us to kind of merge together, I'll still be involved in some of the, you know, decisions in San Diego, of course, but, right. um, um, my CFO can take this on no problem. And, uh, me, um, uh, doing more business development in Arizona. That's, that's the position I'm
2: I'm kind of taking, uh, next year, even though I am the CEO. Sure. Sure. So do you feel like I'm, uh, you know, reading between the lines a little bit, although it's pretty obvious, you've always been a pretty sales driven CEO, right? Yes. From the earliest (laughs) from the early, you know, you said early days you hired your, whatever your brother and your dad to run machines while you went out and did sales. Right. Do you yeah. feel like that's been a key part of your success over the years? Is that really consistent emphasis on sales? Uh, I do. I do. And, um, I, I and I, and, 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 I think just
0: recently aligning with aligning with the right BD person or company, that's been huge. Um, you know, right now we're, um, we're, recording courting, um, the BD people in the maritime industry because we are, I would say we're 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 subspace, which I would call you know commercial aerospace, satellite, and then deep space, which might be Mars or or the moon. Yep. And so we 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 deal in all three of those genres, and and we're very successful. But in San Diego alone, maritime's like a billion dollar a year industry, if not more. And we do, you know, a hundred thousand that- dollars or
2: less. Is that like naval? Stuff it could be naval,
0: it could be cruise ships, um, okay. it could be um, um, fishing, at the, at the maritime, it could be submarine exploration. It, it's a pretty big window actually when you start looking at it, wow. uh, and hmm. um, so um, it's kind of an untapped market for us. And um, it's it we we've got a new company we're working with, and we seem to be very successful with them. And I'm trying to find out when. The one guy that we've been getting a lot of business when he's going to leave because I want to try to recruit him. <laughs> so I've already got a plan for him. Um, we've, we've had some conversations, but um, in the interim, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, we need to find a, a, another BD uh, group or individual that has strong ties to the maritime industry. And um, I, I think we could uh, uh, pull uh, initially a million and then in three or five years, be pulling five to $10 million out of that market
2: easily. Got it. You know. So for those that have not done working with a BD firm, can you describe a little bit about what they do and what that relationship is like?
0: Well, um, hopefully they, and that they understand. Stands for,
2: that stands for business, business development. development. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um,
0: uh, yeah. So yeah, it's important you know what the acronym stands for. Um, I think it's helpful if you're working with a business development group who is diversified. And by that, I mean, he's got a sheet metal shop. He might have a forming shop. He's got a machine shop. Um, he might have a screw shop, um, but you don't want him having four machine shops because then every time he gets a quote, it goes out to four. Um, I'm, we're not the cheapest game in town, nor do I want to be. It's to me, if you're the cheapest game in town, you're racing to the bottom. And I'm no interest in racing to the bottom. So, um, probably our biggest complaint is people say, wow, why are you guys so expensive? Well, it's what we do. Mm -hmm. And there's a cost associated with that. You walk into my shop. I mean, it's a capital-intensive business. We spent over a million dollars on machinery last year. Um, somebody's got to pay for that. And sure. you know, uh, somebody asked me, what do I sell? I said, I sell time. And, and, and that, that's exactly what I sell. I sell time. And when I sell time on a pallet pole five axis, and when I sell on a vertical, they're two different animals. Sure. So I always hate it when, when a customer asks me, hey, what's your hourly rate? I said, what's the part look like? What's the machine that's going to go on? How fast do you need it? If you want to answer all those questions, then I'll give you that answer to that. But if you're just sure. going to throw it out a generic question that, that's meaningless, I'm not going to answer it. I like that. It, it, it's, a, it, it's a poor question on the surface. It really is. Sure. And so many sure. people get roped in, they think, oh, I got to answer that. 90% of
2: the time, I will not answer that question because it's it. a poorly
0: fa- phrased question.
2: Yeah. I do want to ask about activity based estimating and. So it's not every shop is is uh, on board with the idea of having different rates for different types of machines or complexity of parts. But um, but before we touch on that, um, sure. so these 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 BD firms, so they're basically they're they're basically ex, ex outside sales reps um, that that uh, have their own firm with you know different shops like you said screw machine, treat metal, molding, whatever. You're the she, you're the machine shop uh, person yeah. that they rep. Um, do you they bring new opportunities that you then quote and uh yes. if, if that gets if they win then they earn a commission on that for the life of the program or for a year or for the first order or how does that work
0: um we, we have a staggered program and, and i used to I, i've had some people in the past where we did eternity like a five percent and the problem with that is you don't keep a salesperson hungry if, if sure. i'm your salesperson the first year I start bringing you a million, then I bring you two million. I can go sit on the an island collect and collect a paycheck What we'll, sure. we'll, we'll, new business opportunities. So, so we go from five to four to three to zero. Okay. So, so and it goes from the first payday. So, it's, and so let's say we talk to the customer, but it takes a year to get the first order. I don't count that, that year transition when, Good. when business starts, that's the fair point. And so the first year we pay 5%, the next year we pay four and then we pay three. And then after that, I own the customer. Nice. So, um, and and, and like I say, um, well, a lot of salespeople, uh, they, they, everybody wants to come. It seems like five to 4% seems to be what they want to come to the table. And I tell them, I said, well, I won't do that. But I explained to them why. And I feel like there's been appreciation and respect for where I'm coming from because it's a two way street. It's a symbiotic relationship. And, um, if it's one sided to them, that's not really a good deal for you. And, um, you know, you're buying that customer over time and that's fine. And that's the plan, that's a payment plan. And then, but at some point there's,
2: there's a payday and, and that customer becomes yours. Right. Very good. Very good. So let, let us, uh, if you, if you would, you know, uh, entertain me for a second on this concept that you're quoting different rates for. You know certain machines um versus other machines certain lead times versus other lead times how sophisticated does your sort kind of estimating and quoting get um to be very specific to you know the situation at hand um there's 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 kind of like
0: i i think we have three different categories almost like we do with machines we have like a base level part that might be um Uh, you know, on a vertical that sometimes, uh, might have some side holes or a side slot or something like that. That's Mm going to be like kind of, you know, a C level part, if you will. And you get into a B level part, which might be the same thing, but it might be an exotic material. So the material could be a swinger on that particular Mm -hmm. decision to move it from a C to a B got it. The other thing with this, with a a B level, it might be a fourth axis part versus a vertical part. And then when you get to a part, that becomes uh, a part that would be um, an exotic material that has probably compound angles, compound holes, um, has more uh, organic shapes, where we have to do kellerine. And um, then if you go into something that maybe has all those factors, we might consider that like an A plus part. And then, um, okay. then we, you know, on those parts, we're going to sit down, we're going to look at, those parts get to be in the category of, we don't want to do it, but we'll throw a price out that's so high that if we get, it, it's going to be worth our while. Sure. And uh, you know sometimes, you know, be careful with your quote, because we've had some <laughs> parts we've quoted 50, 80, $90,000, we're like, there's no way they're going to do this. And they come back and they go, hey, we need two of those. And we're like, okay. And so wow. uh, we'll do that. It, does, it probably happens once a year. Okay. Um, but. But that those type of parts get a lot of visibility because first thing there's not a lot of shops can do them number one, and if you can do that and be successful and be on time, you check off a lot of boxes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and your name goes around the facility, you know, kind of like wildfire if you will.
2: Right. Yeah. Very cool. I love it. Um, so as we look to kind of wrap up here, I'd love to. Um, uh sounds like you're you know a pretty tech driven company so i i'm I'm sure your answers on how do you feel about technology adoption are going to be you're you're pretty pro technology it's fair to say very
0: very i I mean look at the name computer integrated machine so it's computers integrated with machines so yeah that was that was kind of thought process from day one and and um i i've I've got you know quite a few young people it's ironic because i'm kind of the neophyte of the group but I, okay. my, 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 my people are very, very strong in their computer skills. Mine are probably the weakest of the whole company. But that that's fine. I don't need to be the best. I mean, I can surround myself with the people that, that are really, really savvy and understand that. And, mm-hmm. you know, my team, you know, sometimes if we're looking at something, I'm like, hey, why should we get this? Oh, X, Y, Z. All right. That makes sense. And, hey, here's an article if you want to read it, which I probably don't. But right. if I do, yeah. if I want to look at it or if I see something, say, hey, I saw this. What do you guys think about this? Oh, that's great. Or, or, Hey, that's good. But you know what? We saw this is even better. So, um, you know, there's, I'd say there's probably about five or six people in my company that, um, that, uh, bring stuff to me. And, um, when I have something, not necessarily shoot me down, but will uh, kind of redirect me on something that I wasn't uh, privy to.
2: And then uh, we
0: say, okay, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Let, let's move in that direction.
2: I like that. So do you feel like people, you're, it sounds like you're, fairly approachable. Like people can question, challenge, you know, it's suggest things all the time that, uh, you're I, I, I would on. like to think so. I mean, I, I, I
0: walked the floor. I, I,
2: um, um, I
0: talked to the guys. Um, there's, there's one guy that, that works with us. He has a, he was in prison for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's, that's a guy who's, you know, I think kind of looks at, you know, Somebody who owns a company is an authoritarian figure, mm-hmm. and um, I've got a good relationship with him. And, and, and you know, every time, every morning, I see him, I wave at him. We, we talk, and you know, uh, he's. I I I feel like he he you know we have luncheons a lot of times. He'll sit next to me. We talk. Um, so yeah, I, nice. I, I I I try to be approachable. I mean, and 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 sometimes when I think something's going on, my I got my girls in, in my office, my sales team. And they'll be like, nope, that's not what's going on. Uh, they said that because you're the boss. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> that's kind of frustrating. But 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 they, but they have eyes and ears, and they hear things that I don't, and and sure. and so they share that with me, and um, you know, that's insightful. And I mean, it's, it's I understand it's it's um, a little annoying to me. I'll be honest with you because I I do try to be approachable, but I think it's still like, oh, you're the boss, and it's like I told them, I said, look, I'm not your boss. You work for so and so. You know, right. I'm I'm not your boss. I'm, just I'm the boss of maybe a couple <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, sure. but but um, uh, yeah. And yeah, answer to your question. I, I I I try to be. I try to have open policy. My people, if they they have a problem. I think with me or something I said or did, or they, they want to input. Um, uh, yeah, I I, I I try to be open to that.
2: Very nice. So. I, I, uh, I think that's also proven. But yeah no please continue
0: i was just gonna say i think that's proven by 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 me, me putting the travelers out there with the purchase orders i mean that yeah. that, that, that that's a sign of being open right there i mean that's and that's cool. that, that, that's 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 tangible i mean you can grab that and see it and read it yeah. and the customer's names not blacked out either so sure
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um so if you had to distill you know think back over the last 28 years some of the sort of most strategic decisions you've made and moves how would you describe that that's led to the success you've had today um
0: i think when we finally decided to get into the fifth axis world i think okay. that was um that was a big turning point for us um because i mean even now we've got a new pallet machine coming on the floor this month and it will be no time at all that will be running 24 7. um and we have two uh dmg uh uh more sake and we have, um, three hawses. one set up for carbon fiber strictly. Um, we're getting rid of another one. So we'll have four, five axes, but one that's almost equal to three because we'll be running 24 seven. And if that, that pans out, which we think it will, um, we'll be ordering another one of those, uh, June or July of this year. And we'll have two of those and that's a 12 pallet system. And, um, uh, that's the other thing that I think is gonna help us offset. Cause right now we just have one ship like you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. finding personnel. Um, we're probably gonna go in a robotic direction for our second and third shift and uh, maintain the uh, the first shift to feed those
2: other two shifts. Got it. Okay, yeah, interesting. When did, uh, so imagine you're putting parts on five axis that don't require five, but it just simplifies your work holding and you can cut more features all at the same time, or are they truly parts that require five axis um, simultaneously?
0: We, we try to only put five axis parts on because we have so many parts. Um, if something can be done on a vertical, we try to, I mean, I've had, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verticals. Okay. Um, well, I'm not, not counting the big machines. Like we have two big machines that have 12 foot by four foot tables. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you count those, we've got nine, and we've got three CMC lathes. I think we're up to twenty machines total. Okay. So we have our, our capability statement is pretty impressive. Right. Okay.
2: So you really reserve those multi-spindles for parts that really need it, not just simplification of work holding and and uh, one. We we power. try to, and I think I think by the
0: time we get our second five-axis, and we have then we'll have twenty-four pallets. I think some of those other parts will migrate over. And into that arena. And then, I mean, the goal would be to get, you know, probably rid of, you know, two more of the verticals and put another five axis with the pallet system and have three, five axis pallet systems, um, you know, 36 pallets running around the clock. You're talking, you know, right there is, in my opinion, is the equivalent of having nine machines and your floor space is pretty low. Um, You can, if you can really groom your high end operator to each one of those machines, um, they basically do the setup and get the thing running during the day. So it runs the equivalent of hopefully the other two shifts mm-hmm. and, um,
2: you know, uh, run it that way. Yeah. That's the recipe for a lot of throughput and a lot of revenue off of Both. yeah. 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 Awesome. And, and I think,
0: the, I think the customers like to see that investment. We're working with a really big aerospace company right now and they came on about two years ago and I mean, and they're literally feeding us with a shovel and, um, they were really, really happy to hear the investments that we've got going on this year well last year and then breaking into this year mm-hmm. um and uh they've uh, they've brought some heavy
2: hitters out to talk to us so right. um that's a it's an exciting opportunity yeah so two last questions um sure one what would you recommend that shops be doing today um to ensure their success and then what is your overall opinion about the precision machining market in North America in the next, you know, 10, 20 years?
0: Um, One thing I would say, I I would say document your processes. It's a pain in the ass. It's not an easy thing to do. That's why people don't do it. But um, it's it's beneficial to you as an owner. It's beneficial in a succession plan. And it makes it it fair. The other thing, too, is it helps you place ads and helps you with your org chart. They all kind of tie in. It's like a circle of life, as we call it. And um, because if you have your org chart that has, let's say, your five main positions, if you gauge your people by those five positions, by those five activities, I mean, there's more than that. But let's say your five main activities. And then when you go to hire, you can hire that way, too then you're kind of assured that you're going to get that. So the whole documentation thing, it it, it covers a lot of ground, a lot more ground than you think on the surface they oh, I'm just doing it to document it. What am I going to get out of this? It's like an onion. It's it's a pretty deep, Mm -hmm. deep layered animal, if you
2: will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really good advice. And so for shops that are doing that and um, trying to set themselves up for success, do you feel like, because I am getting different differing opinions on this, the macro trend of precision machining in North America, do you feel like it's, it's up or it's down over the next 10, 20 years?
0: Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think that if you're gonna be here 20 years from now, I think you gotta get into additive. I think if you're just a machine shop, I think you might have some issues. Um, I, think, I think when the FAA finally opens up, and allows parts to be grown, I think you're gonna see a big transition in the landscape. That's just my prediction right now. Mm-hmm. And um, the rocket industry has totally embraced additive because they're yeah. not they're not they're not tied to the FAA. Sure. And the parts are fine. I mean, we've we've grown ink and L round one and a quarter inch strips vertically, horizontally. We've hipped them, we've machined them and done pole tests. And we've had to pull test be within one to, to ten pounds of a piece of material being canal. so that tells from a, you from, from a billet, yeah. from a billet, yes, yeah. So wow. so 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 this is that's, that's a- this reality statement, okay? So so <sighs> the technology is there. It's just when is the FAA going to be ready to embrace it? I, I, what I what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see some of these older programs for parts that were casted let's say F-16s, maybe F-18s, and mm-hmm. eventually F-22s can become an old dog. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of already is starting to, um, but they're still flying these planes. When they get to a point where they have a hard time, they can't get a part cast and you can grow a part and then you can machine it. But I think if, if, if you can be inclusive and grow the part and machine it and plate it or paint it and deliver a, a, a finished product, I think that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. We 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 have an assembly area, and there's a reason why we have an assembly area. Because if let's say you and me are are, are going up against, um, we're, we're quoting each other, and um, the customer says, "Well, I want the part machined, I want it plated, I want a chem film, I want helicoils, I want pins put it." And you go, "Well, I can do all that, but I don't. I don't put helicoils in, I don't put pins in. I just remove you as competition off the table. Absolutely. So 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 my competition pool gets smaller by people that say they won't or can't, right. and then, then I have two things. I can charge what I need to charge for the part because I'm, I'm creating a service. I'm giving them something that's ready to plug and play hopefully. And or they say, hey, Mike, you can do this, this, and this. Can you put the springs in the actuators and can you build a part and test it or send it out and get it tested? Sure I can. I'm gonna charge 15% for every time I touch that part. They say, you know, we don't care. You're gonna deliver something that's ready to go. We can install on a jet or XYZ or whatever. Yep. That, that's value added is huge. Absolutely. And so I think the shops that are gonna survive are gonna be the shops that um, are compliant with cybersecurity. That's gonna be a, a deal breaker with mom and pop shops.
2: Yep.
0: Um, and the other thing is diversification. And I say diversification, I don't mean having a CNC lathe and a CNC mill and a five axis. I'm talking diversification and manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a whole different level of, of, of diversification. And I think, um, that's going to be paramount to the survivors and, um, you know,
2: that's the company that I'm trying to build right now. So awesome. That was a different answer than I was expecting, but it was better than I was expecting. So I, I, I love it. That's solid. I I, 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 I talk about this all the time. So it's not like I, I can, I can answer that right off the cuff because I've been
0: having this conversation for the last five years. It's nothing new. I I I, I told my team, I said, look, I said, we're subtractive. That's great. The subtractive has been around for a hundred years, even though ads has been around for a while, it's still fresh. And, um, you, you got to align with companies that are doing that and, and, and work your way in and, um, understand the process. It's, it's, um, it ain't going anywhere. It's going to grow and the FAA will, will sign up for it sooner or later. And when they do, there's going to be a windfall of parts going in that category.
2: Yeah. In my be. Yeah, one of my prior guests, uh, Brad Kozlowski, who's also a NASCAR driver, um, he has okay. a company called Kozlowski Advanced Manufacturing (KAM), and uh, he they do additive and and subtractive both. They they don't do parts that they don't start with printing. So yeah. they grow them and then they finish machine them, and they're definitely doing super well. So I, yeah, yeah. I think you're I think you're spot on with your advice. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. I'm not awesome. following it yet. I'm following it in the sense sure. that I have a,
0: somebody else in the group. But but we know we're going and we know we're going to go that direction. It takes a while, but we'll get there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, those machines are not cheap and it's definitely a learning no. curve and just a whole whole different ballgame. So. It is, it is. Well, Mike, this has been really insightful. I know you've shared a ton of stories and ideas that people will take away and uh, will help them in their businesses. So thank you so much for just being so open with us today and sharing your journey. I really appreciate it. This has been super fun. Well, I
0: also want to also want to say thank you. I mean, I know you come across a lot of uh, technical, interesting people, and you you chose me to come on the show. I I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Um, I have a lot of respect for what you do. Um, it was great having dinner with you. I got to know you a lot better, and I felt like we. Sorry, my ear thing's coming out. Um, okay. I, I felt like we had like a kind of an instant bond, and um, yeah, you're
2: easy to talk to. So uh, I want to thank you too. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, from machine shops and and race cars, we definitely have some things in common, so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, well, thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, right. yeah, we'll see you at a trade show or something nearby. All right, sounds great. All right, we'll take we'll care. talk to you later. Bye-bye. Take it easy.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Machine Shop Mastery Podcast. We hope you learned something that inspires you on your journey. You can find more episodes and information over on our website, Machineshopmastery.com. There, you can also apply or nominate someone to be a guest on the show. We'll see you on the next episode. Until then, keep those spindles turning.